0: Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen, technical issues. Okay, welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. I am Tracy Siska, the Executive Director of the Chicago Justice Project. I'm also the host for the show. You can find more about what we do at chicagojustice.org. Keep an eye on that website because we're going to be publishing research continuously all summer and into the fall. We've got some amazing stuff coming. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I know about the Derek Chauvin sentencing and I'm going to talk more about it on Monday um, I want to just let the length of that sentence sink in before I start spouting my feelings about it if you're a repeat here at the show you know that I take my time on things and don't rush into just breaking news okay coming up on the show not today but Monday and Wednesday next week Monday we have an interview with Deputy Public Safety Inspector General Inspector General Deborah Witzberg about the report that recently did. It was an inquiry into the grievance process for the Chicago Police Department and how officers try to find ways out of accountability. And it looks like the department allows them out of that accountability. On Wednesday, we're featuring an interview with Alexandra Black and Ann McGowan, who worked with the Chicago Council of Lawyers to put in, put together an interim report on the Cook County clerk's office and the new clerk, Iris Martinez. Um, We're going to be having We have issues with the office already. So we're going to be talking to them about it and talking a little bit about the issues we're having. And then on Monday, seven, five, we're going to be featuring an interview with Paul Vallis, the ex CEO of Chicago public schools, who spouts out about a lot of things on social media. Most importantly to our show is crime and justice issues, Chicago police department. He's got a very complicated relationship with his kid as a cop and he's helping the union negotiate their contract. So we're going to be talking to him about that, and we'll be airing that interview on the 5th. On today's show, we our main segment is on the MacArthur um, op-ed in the Tribune about a poll they did about defunding the police. Then we talk about Superintendent Brown and Lori Lightfoot's spin on guns and the reaction to the state's attorney saying they're arresting the wrong people. Guess what? They are arresting the wrong people. We're going to talk about a Tribune editorial on another Monday, another horrible editorial from the Trib. We're going to talk about crime in the Wrigleyville blog or CWB Chicago fighting science with hatred. And then after the break, we're going to come back and talk about um, an article from Cranes, AD Quiggett Cranes on basically Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot's claims on crime and violence in Chicago. Not really sure what the article really does for to enlighten us, but anyways, we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about CD stripping powers of, away from an officer. 15 years or something like that after the crimes were um or the um misconduct was seems to have occurred we're going to talk about a weird op-ed in the tribune on consent decrees and we're going to talk about biden being biden and him paying for more cops nothing new with paul Vallis. i mean uh, joe biden unfortunately can't get away from being himself um, we know exactly what he is because he did what he did in the violent in the 1994 violent crime and control act Spent hundreds of millions, billions of dollars putting more police on the street. Okay, but first, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk to you about our Nation program. You can find out more about it at cjpnation.org. And you will find out about crowdsource research projects, social media activism, public policy advocacy. Um, You can become a social media ambassador. You can be be a leader for a crowdsource research project. Our recently published report on the committee on public safety was a completely completely volunteer driven project an intern driven project um, and you can be part of projects like that we have a bunch going on now that we hope to publish both around policy advocacy and around just crowdsource research projects like the public safety report we hope to publish later this summer and into the fall next year or fall this year and you can be um, part of that go to cjpnation.org to get more information Okay, we're going to talk about our first, um, our main segment today, which is um, an op-ed in the Chicago Tribune. Do Chicagoans want to defund the police? It's a tale of two cities. Shocked by that. If that's what the poll told them, the poll is kind of useless. But it does have some interesting statistics in it. Um, this was written by Kristen Mack. Kristen Mack is the Managing Director of Communications and John Pelfrey is President of the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Will Johnson is CEO of the Harris Poll, who did the polling. Um, So let's look at some of these stats. You'll be shocked but 50% of the people polled agreed that gun violence is the city's biggest problem. Okay. Property taxes were the second most cited thing, even though then, only 10% of residents selected it. That's right. Of the problems facing the city, taxes or property taxes are second highest, but they're really low compared to gun violence. It's interesting finding. 96 of respondents say that gun violence must be reduced and an unheard of agreement on, on that. And that's right. There's no doubt that is wildly high for a poll. About 75% believe that gun violence is worse in Chicago than in other major cities. Okay. Turn that around. Whose fault is that? It is the media's fault. We did either on Wednesday or Monday, we did a segment on a New York Times article that looked at how and why people are so bad at understanding crime trends. And they are very bad. Um. The murder capital of the world, the murder capital of the United States, Chicago 7th. That is not something you hear in the Chicago media because they're not good at it. So that number is there because the media stinkies on the subject. Don't ever underestimate the degree to which politicians and the media will, will exploit this crime and violence for their own purposes. Residents that. Identify background checks for all gun sales as the most likely, most likely to reduce gun violence, 63%, followed by higher penalties for gun-related crimes. 60%. Both, ladies and gentlemen, are wrong. 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 I'm all for background checks, but, and it will help a little bit, but it isn't going to stop massive gun violence in Chicago. It just isn't. Neither is higher penalties. The science shows it. That is just wildly wrong. They go to increased police presence in high-crime neighborhoods, 55%. Increased police community involvement in those areas, 51%. Both of those ain't going to work. Is not going to work. We have enough evidence of that. Chicago residents appreciate having police officers in the neighborhood, believing police reduce or prevent crime 63% overall it's not a complete zero. They're not completely wrong. There is some degree to which the police have an impact, but it's much less than people think. It's much less the police fault when crime skyrockets and much less their responsibility for when crime goes down. Like They have much less of an impact on it than people want to think. Make people feel safer where they live, 79%. Eh. that's Actually, I shouldn't say that. That is probably true. People, so a large swaths of Chicago probably feel better, but Do they actually make us safer? Mm Mm-mm. Strong majorities oppose reducing neighborhood police presence, 72% overall. Now, bad, bad question. How about, do you favor funding alternative responses for mental health and drug addiction or drug issues where there's no violence and having someone without a gun show up to those? That would have been the question. Notably, most respondents believe that both resident police relations and race relations in Chicago are no better or worse than in other major cities. That's probably true. Although I think race relations here is a little worse. Um, I think those are both probably a little worse here than most major other cities. Um, 64 64%. And this is interesting. Understand the disparate impact of policing including sixty six percent of Latino residents and ninety one percent of black residents believe there is persistent racial bias in the city's policing practices. That should be a red flag for change. It won't be because our mayor doesn't want change, and neither does the police department, and neither does White North Side Chicago and White Loop. White South Loop, White West Loop, White Fulton Market. They don't want any of that. believe the police department lacks support among blacks, indigenous, and people of color residents. Are you shocked? No. I mean, it's good to have that number, but it's not, none of that is shocking. So two-thirds, just about two-thirds, think there's a disparate impact on policing. Overall, 66%, two, two out of every three Latinos and nine out of every 10 blacks. According to this poll, I'd have to look at more at the actual how many people they pulled in each of those race race categories and where they lived in the city, but they they believe there's persistent racial bias in the city not a shock there is persistent racial bias there just is that should be a red flag to the police it won't be it won't be there to a large extent the organization as a whole and their leadership for sure are incapable of learning they they're just are seem completely incapable of learning, which is why we're going to go to the next slide. I mean, next slide, next segment. Okay. Segment two, Chicago's mayor and top cop trash. Kim Fox for challenging CPD's gun arrest priorities. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, Kim Fox's office did a webinar for media, for the journalists to look at the data they have on their portal. And to show them that almost, very few of the people arrested for gun possession in Chicago over the last five, four or five years, three, four years, uh, somewhere in that range, 80% of them or higher have no criminal record whatsoever. Hello, those people are not driving gun violence, they aren't the shooters. Now you ask, well, how do you know who the shooters are? The police department knows who the shooters are. You know why? We got Andrew Papachristos' research from Northwestern, right? They know. He studies network analysis. They know who the shooters are. They know who the friends of the shooters are. They know everyone that's ever been arrested with the shooters. They know. They don't care. This has been a priority. The, The number of People arrested for gun possession over the last few years has doubled, or last several years has doubled. In 2013, I think, if I got the number right, it was much less than it is now. So let's let's take a look. Okay, there's no doubt they're arresting the wrong people. Lightfoot and Brown don't care because they're doing anything they possibly can to reduce the gun violence, no matter how much it hurts the communities. They're about numbers so they can push it to the media and propagandize about what they're doing. They're, it's not based in, in, in any fundamentals or science whatsoever. This is Lightfoot. I fundamentally disagree with that. We are a city that's awash in illegal guns. Those illegal guns cause deep pain and injury and death. So the suggestion that somehow the police department is wasting its time by arresting people, people who illegally possess a firearm at the height of this crisis, I just fundamentally disagree with that. Lightfoot. Mayor, you're arresting, like 80% of the people you're arresting for gun, gun possession are not shooters. They're not someone who was shot before. They're not someone's system involved. That should seriously be concerning you, but it doesn't. That's the problem. That's a serious problem. So here's Brown. Any thoughts on illegal gun possession doesn't drive violence is ridiculous. We're less safe when people illegally possess guns. Sure, but if you're looking to reduce shootings, you're, this isn't 1980 and you don't have the data, my friend. This is 2020, you have the data. You know what you do with the data? You target the people who are the shooters, not people carrying guns for protection, which is when you're arresting someone for illegal gun possession, who's never been picked up on anything before, that's why they're carrying it a lot. and. This isn't a new phenomenon. Decades passed. Gun possessions got tossed in court all the time. Why? Because they would go, the judge would go, do you have a re- bail? You, uh, The bond hearing? Do you have a? Does the person have a record? Well, no. Why are you carrying a gun? Protection, your on. I live in a violent area. They have seized a gun, they'll keep it through the ordinance and destroy it, and the person goes. This is not new. This idea that Brown and, and Lightfoot are spinning this is a whole new thing. is just a lie. That's why gun possession arrests were so... Small, six, seven years ago, eight years ago now, 13. That's why they were so small. They're getting up to like ridiculous numbers. Okay, let's go on. Case after case where we have conflict and you put a gun in someone's hands, particularly an illegal gun, you increase the opportunity for violent crime. He's right. He is right. No doubt about it. Still, you need to arrest the shooters, my friend. Arrest the shooters. We'll continue. Obviously, common sense is not so common, referring to Fox's office. He is a slippery bastard, this guy. We should all know that illegal gun possession makes us less safe, not more safe. And I would argue the idea of decriminalizing illegal gun possession is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my 40 years of law enforcement. Sir, 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 it's been sort of decriminalized for people who don't have records for a very long time in Chicago. Don't act like it's new because you're from Dallas and don't know what the hell you're talking about in Chicago. You're either lying or you're clueless. Take your pick. Those are your two options, Superintendent. I go more towards the first one than I do the last one, although I think there's some of the last one, the latter one, involved in the first one. You not knowing what you're talking about is definitely um, definitely a problem. Now, they turn... And let's see, where was this? This is a BEZ piece. I think Chip Mitchell did it. Now he, I think he has an affinity for Thomas Needham, who's a former CPD general counsel. He is not a good guy. He's a bad, bad, bad guy. Bad guy. He was general counsel under Terry Hillard. He is not a good guy. And Part of what Needham does is represent bad cops in front of the police board and in civil court. He's not a good guy. With that context, let's see what he has to say. Fox has a point. Chicago Attorney Thomas Needham, a former Chicago Police Department General Counsel, wrote on Twitter, The dramatic increase in arrests for gun possession is due in large part to the quota-assist strategy that Brown has implemented. There are many more traffic stops for minor, non-existent violations, and each one leads to the whole car being searched for guns. I wouldn't doubt that. I think that is probably true. The problem is... This dramatic increase in guns has been steadily rising since 2013. So this is not just a Brown issue. Brown has made it worse because he's all about manipulating the crime numbers, but he's not alone. These numbers started skyrocketing before Brown. This is pure propaganda. This is pure about generating numbers and headlines about the numbers of arrests to make people feel like they're doing something. If you have a data-driven process, then you would go after the shooters, not just people illegally carrying a gun. Yes, it's not good, but in a city awash in violence and wash in gun violence, supposedly, go after the shooters. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, why it makes sense to arrest someone who has never, doesn't have any convictions and gets found with a gun. Target them rather than targeting the shooters. One thing is it's easier, and you can do these BS traffic stops and find guns. So Needham isn't wrong on this one. This is much to do about propaganda. Okay, our next segment. Editorial from the Chicago Tribune. Another Monday, another tally of, of the slain in Chicago. It's just not good. Let's go right to some quotes from the story from the app editorial Monday this is the head lead into the show into the, um, the editorial Monday like many Mondays before it featured national news outlets delivering the grim statistics out of Chicago more than 50 people shot over the weekend at least five fatally the news anchors at one station expressed exasperation at the story that just never ends the city's inability to get a handle on violent crime to those news anchors imagine living here now as far as the Tribune Editorial Board, I doubt anyone does, ladies and gentlemen. They're all suburbanites. And a lot of the reporters are suburbanites. I think John Cass, who re- just recently took the bio, thank the Lord, we now don't have to read his lunacy anymore, um, Is a, just moved back into the city after a couple decades in the suburbs. These are not city people. But let's get back to the Tribune Editorial Board. They've endorsed every corrupt politician that has stolen money from these communities, kept these communities as poor and as unserved as humanly possible. Look in the Mayor Tribune editorial board and Tribune. You're part of the problem. They don't endorse science-driven solutions. They just want more cops, more arrests, longer sentences. They know that's the solution to everything. They refuse to endorse the end of tax increment financing. How are you going to do a real investment when the mayor is stealing basically a now what is equivalent to a billion dollars that should go into the general fund that's going into a slush fund and paying for all those cranes in the south loop, west loop, loop, Michigan Avenue, Fulton Market. I just don't, um, I just don't understand. Um, they talk about, so here's a little bit in the editorial that really bugged me. They talk about... Giovanni Arzuga, 24, who died a horrific incident um, as part of the Puerto Rican Day Parade, uh, part of the V-after, uh, part, part of the, you know, post-celebration, it's a horrible thing, but people die, I don't know, you know, the media is making a huge deal of this one, and it's not, when does someone die and it's okay, it's good, it's not so bad, that's not too bad. I don't know why they find this one particularly bad really bugs me about it is they go and they're like his wife or girlfriend. They didn't know. They didn't put the research in to find out because his female companion, whoever his partner is, and I just looked at the trip version of this. They didn't take the time to find out who the female in the car was. So they don't have a name. And they don't know if they were in some kind of relationship. Come on, Tribune. Could you have shown just a little more effort into – caring about the woman who died in this situation. Um, and they link when they talk about that, about they were Giovanni Arzuga, 24, who died from and his wife or girlfriend. The they were in that article is hyperlinked. And it's linked to the Sun Times, talking about Giovanni Arzuga and wife or girlfriend because they don't know. So neither media outlet knew. So it's like the Tribune was passing off their inability to identify her to the sun t- sometimes, Excuse me. Um, it seems like they did it too. So see, we're not the only ones who put no effort into finding out who the woman was. There's no doubt violence levels in Chicago are shameful. But can you please propose solutions or back solutions that are backed by science? That's all we're asking. It's not that you wouldn't think that it's that hard, but it's the Tribune, it's hard. They endorse every scumbag politician you've got in Chicago and throughout the state. Everyone who rips us, who rips people off blind as a politician got backed by the Tribune. Don't you worry about it. Here's our fourth segment, CWB complaining. Well, when don't they complain? It's Crime in Wrigleyville, this is from Twitter. And this is, once again, returning us to the state's attorney doing that webinar for journalists and talking to them about how to interpret the data on gun violence that's on their dashboards and on their website. And they go apeshit. It was built this training for journalists. If I'm a journalist, I want to go to every training possible, soak it all in, and then do my own work. No, 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 no. So... They don't actually look at the data, because crime in Wrigleyville, much like the alt-right press, Chicago Contrarian, um, Second City Cop blog, that's no more, but now it's pushing again, at, publishing again at Chicago Contrarian, uh, Chicago City Wire. they don't care about science. They're white guys. They know what needs to be doing it. They know what needs to be done, right? They know exactly what needs to be done, so they don't like journalists undergoing training, right? All of these things: Crime and Vigil, Chicago, Contrarian, uh, City Wire—they're all political operations, masquerading as journalism. Don't ever forget that. And you see, they're not arguing facts; they're doing the same thing. They're in agreement with Lifewood and Brown, which shows you how crazy this whole subject is. Anyone. They're also in this crowd with anyone for gun possession is a violent crime. Arrest them. Put them in jail for long periods of time. It won't work. You see, they don't argue in here the data. They don't argue the data that they're arresting the wrong people because they don't want to talk about it. Right? That's not what they want to talk about. Because they don't care about the data. They know what's right. It's very Trumpian of them. It's incredibly Trumpian. They're on the same side. These are Trumpian outlets. Crime Legal, Chicago contrarian, City Wire. their Second like City Cop That is the Trumpville of Chicago. Don't ever doubt it. Okay. We're going to take a one minute break. We will be back with you in one minute. Give me some information about our nation program. Join a group of engaged, and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today, CJP Nation. Okay, everyone, we are back. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, if you're on listening this through the podcast, you can get copies of all the links, all the images we show All the videos we present, they're all on the post on our website when the blog, when the podcast gets posted. So just go there and you can get them. If you're watching on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, um, Twitch, from any of those platforms, drop us a comment or question and we'll be happy to answer them. We get them all on the desktop here. Okay. Next segment. Lightfoot says homicides and shootings are down. That's not the whole story. This is true. So this is a story by A.D. Quigg, formerly of the Daily Line. I think the Daily Line is what that thing is called. Um, there's no doubt that Lightfoot and Brown are spin masters, just like Rahm was. So don't think there's this is new. Mayors and police superintendents, one of the things they're they have to do to keep the gig is lie, 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 especially about crime data. So here's Lightfoot, I believe. The reality is June over June, from last year to this year, we've seen what we've seen as a downward trend in both homicides and shooting, the mayor said in a Monday news conference, noting that the weekend's incidents were tragic and heartbreaking. Yes, but once again, people in A.D. Quig, a little shame on you for this. You shouldn't be comparing this June to last June. You should be taking the pandemic time period out of any of the crime statistics you wanna talk about. And um, when people get all back to work and we all get back into school and everything starts happening and get back into the office working, then we can start the clock again. So this, this isn't necessarily true. And you can't compare a June at the height of some of the worst of the pandemic to a June a year later when the pandemic is waning and the city is completely open. It's wrong. It's just wrong. Stop doing it, both A.D. and the rest of the Chicago media. Stop doing it. You can't help it because it's easy stories for you, and I get it, and it gets you easy quotes, but you're just wrong. We go on. Brown repeated the mayor's optimism about June's numbers, saying murders are down 3% compared to the with this time in June 2020. While shootings are down 5%, the city hit its peak in violence in January and has declined in both murders and shootings each month. With some fits and starts though the first quarter of this year, Brown said, but the second quarter has has seen a steady decline in both murders and shootings. Yes, but from what time period? Once again, you can't do this. They're spinning it. They're spinning it through the end, beginning of the year to now. It's much worse. Well, of course it's much worse because the first quarter of 2020 didn't have the pandemic. So um, all these comparisons are wrong. Brown and Lightfoot are just spinning for the journalists. And here is one A.D. Quig, usually pretty good, that just swallowed it. This shouldn't have been, I'm sure our editor put her on this probably. This is not an article that should be written, really. It's not particularly... It's not... It's It's pretty well done. It's just not something that makes any sense. I know people want to talk about crime and violence, but you can't make the comparisons they're trying to make. Here's another one. It's also important to remember... um, this is from the article itself, so this is 80 Quig. It's also important to remember that 2020 was a particularly deadly year for Chicago, nearly rivaling 2016 in terms of shootings and homicides. Other crimes like criminal sexual assault, robbery, and battery fell that year. Of course they did. No one was around anyone. Everyone was staying home. Of course those numbers now. Now, sexual assault probably increased in the home, but that's talk about. That's a whole other subject. Of course, robbery and battery did. No one's out. They were going to drop no matter what. It had nothing to do with the police. One. Two. When have you ever heard in the Chicago media over the last several months that 2020 was less violent than 2016? So to A.D. Quig, I give her credit on this, all this, that probably should have been the headline. How about this headline for this? 2020 sees increase in violence because pandemic, but still falls short of 2016's numbers. How about that for a headline? Hmm... That would have given a lot more context about 2020. That's how bad 2016 was. It was so bad that it was worse than the pandemic year. Lightfoot has said, we'll continue in the article, Lightfoot has said federal help would be necessary to help curb the violence. CPD estimates that it took 172 guns off the street this weekend and was on track to recover 12,000 by the end of the year. She also said the closure of criminal courts building relatively inactive and closed for in-person jury trials makes no sense because it has left too many accused offenders out on pretrial release. Mayor Lightfoot, I'm going to give you a... Police Chief Bratton. Charles Bratton? I forgot his first name. No, it just escaped me. Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton quote, and this is back into McCarthy, so stop quoting these stupid, we took so many guns off the street. Bill Bratton snapped back at Gary McCarthy when he was superintendent. McCarthy used to work for Bratton, I believe, in New York. McCarthy was talking about how they take so many more guns off than even New York. And Bratton said, Honestly, and rightly, I'm not a Bill Bratton fan, but he was right here. You know what? We go after criminals, not guns. Now, as I explained on this show before, Chicago, because they can't get the criminals, goes after the guns so they can have numbers like this. That's why you're seeing the gun possession. Gun possession arrests skyrocket because the mayor wants people who are nonviolent, Not caught with violence, but caught with a gun, illegally possessing it. She wants them thrown in jail for like five, ten years. That's Miss Progressive. Remember, she ran as a progressive. Once again, Lightfoot and Brown are blaming, blaming, blaming the courts. Always pointing fingers. Nothing is their responsibility. Nothing, ever. She's even more elusive to some extent than Raman Daly on taking responsibility. She is a professional finger pointer. You would have thought her her prior year careers was not an assistant U.S. attorney or um, private attorney at Mayor Brown making a, you know, a mill a year. You think she'd have been a professional finger pointer. It's not a horrible story, but comparing year to year, month to month comparisons during a pandemic, even though we're in the waning days of it, is just wrong. But they can't help themselves. Okay, we're going to move on. This is a this is a this is a, a pretty big one here. CPD. This is a BEZ story and Chip Mitchell story. CPD strips powers from sergeant tied to cops who stole drug money in 2012. Okay, this is talking about Sergeant Elvin Jones. If there's one thing you can count on ladies and gentlemen is that the police accountability system in chicago sucks and they're slow as hell and the police department is slow as hell to get go after their their people so let's go we'll go to the quote a chicago police sergeant we'll go to the arco sorry a chicago police sergeant who was on an elite citywide unit created by S- superintendent david brown once again they don't ever screen who gets those could face discipline for his role in a narcotics arrest more than 15 years ago involving corrupt former sergeant Ronald Watts, WBE, WBEZ has learned. Ronald Watts, he's in prison, I believe. We'll get to that. But he's had a lot of people exonerated by Fox, thrown, put, taken out of jail or prison because he's a bad, bad man. So it gets juicier. The article continues Jones, who served for years on a tactical team led by Watts, that's right, years, would be the first CPD member to face discipline in the scandal since the former sergeant and officer Khalat Muhammad, hope I'm pronouncing that right, the first name, another member of his team were arrested in 2012 for stealing what they thought was drug money from an FBI informant, according to COPA. Watts and Muhammad were sent to federal prison. But Jones, 10 months after his boss and teammate were arrested, was promoted to sergeant. He passed the test. And he scored high enough, they probably didn't have a choice. Why didn't they strip him and investigate if he was involved in any of the Watts stuff? The promotion was based on a nomination by Fred Waller. Uh oh, it's going to connect back to a new su- uh, a superintendent in a minute, who oversaw the Watts team as Wentworth district commander. Waller's supervisor at the time was Eddie Johnson, a deputy chief who became CPD superintendent three years later and tapped Waller to oversee thousands of officers as patrol chief. That's right. God, the corrupt just keep rising in the CPD. It's why is the department so screwed up? Because these corrupt people just keep rising to the top. The article continues. The Baker and Glenn cases were the first of 110 convictions linked to Watts' crew that judges have vacated. Okay? Those cases involve 87 exonerations. Most have since brought federal lawsuits against the city. They left that team on the street after they got Watts. They left those people that were working with him on the street. City and police officials, the article continues, looked the other way for years as allegations about the Watts unit piled up. Later, after Watts and Muhammad went to prison, a number of exonerees ballooned. City and police officials left more than a dozen former members of the unit on duty. When I say the department is broken, this is what I'm talking about. In 2018, however, Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox's office notified CPD that prosecutors would no longer call Jones and nine other former Watts team members to testify in criminal cases due to concerns about their credibility. The nine include Brian Dalton, Darrell Edwards, Robert Gonzalez, Manuel Liano, LaMonica Lewis, Douglas Nichols Jr., Calvin Ridgel Jr., Jerome Summers, and Kenneth Young Jr. By then, Johnson was superintendent and Waller chief of patrol. Johnson insisted that Jones and other Watts team members remained fit for police duty. Broken. Broken. Brown continues the corruption, though. That approach to former Watts crew members on the force continued after Johnson's removal of superintendent last spring around the time Brown took CPD reins. Nicholas was promoted to detective, according to city records. That assignment came despite at least 45 criminal complaints about Jones, since he started with the department in 1996, according to citizens, police patrol data project, uh, a thing run by the invisible Institute. Good site how it ends. Jones was found at fault in just one of those cases. One in 45. You think that doesn't mean the accountability system is broken, ladies and gentlemen, or what? Jones was found at fault in just one of those cases. A 1999 incident in which four bags of suspected crack cocaine were found in the backseat of a police vehicle after he and his partner used the vehicle to arrest a drug offender. They were both ordered a one-day suspension. Yes. I mean, is that not proof that police accountability system is broken? 45 complaints, only one. That's slightly over 2%. 2. 2.2%, 2.1%, 2.02%, something like that. Police accountability system broken. We need laws. We need ordinances. We need laws by the General Assembly to outlaw these things police policy just isn't working it's amazing the unit goes bad they leave them all on the street you're telling me that none of the people that were in that unit for all that long time it was only those two people that were involved in all those wrongful convictions it's mind-blowingly dumb mind-blowingly dumb but this is part of the problem with the union contract ladies and gentlemen is that we need this is why we need to get either rid of it or shrink the department (sighs) okay let's go on to our next segment op-ed in the tribune seattle's consent decree defund police movement and lessons for chicago it's an interesting article it's kind of it's kind of interesting kind of a little bit of a warning to Chicago. I'm going to steal a quote and I don't remember the person's name from the ACLU of Illinois. The consent decree should be the floor not the ceiling, but it does present problems if you're trying to defund. So they talk about how since the, they talk a few cities about whether or not crime has increased since the pandemic, since the consent decree came in. So Seattle, since it's been, since 2013, homicides are up. Okay, oh my God. Now, but wait a minute, wait a minute, it's got to be context. Homicides are up, but very small. 19 in 2013, 52 in 2020, with the pandemic, 52. Statistically, if you look, oh my God, it's almost, it's getting close. It's like double plus, it's 250 or something, 50 percent increase. It is but understand when you're talking that small of numbers, if the same number of people were shot, but 52 died, then that's just chance. If there's a huge increase in shootings, then we have a problem. But those numbers by themselves don't tell you a whole lot. Now they go down to four more cities. Los, An- Los Angeles under consent degree showed improvement. Ferguson showed improvement. Baltimore, no real progress. Cleveland. No real progress or crime went up, and they were scapegoating. the union so it's all about the consent decree. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. But we turn back to Seattle. Here's a couple of quotes from the article. But it turns out that diverse membership does not a democracy make. Community representatives do not bear the same burdens as elected officials as the power relative to a judge is still limited, which may be an understatement. Now understand. Communities members in Seattle want to defund the police, okay, but with the consent decree there's limited changes that you can make to the department that aren't, that are allowed because there's a federal judge now overseeing the department through a monitor and And if the, the goal has to be about achieving the goals in the consent decree, it, has, it can't be a whole other set of goals. You can't introduce another set of goals, for better or for worse. And some extent, that's worse. David Schoenberg, a professor at New York Law School and co-author of the book Democracy by Decree, argues that authority must be tied to representation. The way democracy is supposed to work, he told Real Clear Investigations, is the key is, is for the, is for key policies to be made by elected officials. They are responsible. So where does federal authority leave room for local lawmakers preferred policies to be tested? One more and we'll get to why he's wrong, but not completely wrong here. Defunding. The police may be a good idea. It may not be, it may be a terrible idea, but without responsibility for the outcome, legislators don't have. To answer for the roles in police in policies chosen. Elect officials can say the court made us do it. Now, he's not wrong, but here's the problem. The reason there is a consent decree, I forgot who wrote this. I didn't write it down, so we'll call him the author. The pro- what the author fails to understand is the reason there's a consent decree is that the politicians haven't done their job and haven't done it for a very long time. The police department hasn't done their job, the police accountability system hasn't done their job, and the elected officials aren't doing their job. So yes, getting into a consent decree removes some authority from the department by to, from the politicians for the department to the federal court and the monitor. Yeah, but because none of those other actors are doing the job. It's not in a bubble, dude. It's not in a bubble. You're dreaming. I think it's a male. You're dreaming. So yes, I would love it to be all elected officials. They ain't doing the goddamn job. So we're just supposed to say, please keep doing it. Please keep doing it horribly. Keep letting your department destroy people's lives and communities. Go ahead. Keep letting them do it. As long as the elected officials have to pay the price for it, that's all that matters. He's not incredibly wrong because like in Chicago, I'm not sure if the mayor could just defund altogether, take a couple hundred million away from the department if and somehow it's not furthering the goals of the consent decree. So he's not completely wrong. He's just a little clueless about why there is a consent decree. Um, so it would have been better if the guy had a clue about what generated the consent decree. He's talking about after the consent decree gets put into place, but not about why it got put in place. Here's our last segment, ladies and gentlemen, of the night. Joe Biden aims to bolster police departments as homicides increase. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Joe, Mr. 1994, Crime Control Act, Mr. putting hundreds of millions and billions of dollars into the uh, school to prison pipeline. He's back as president now instead of as a legislature, legislator. And he is back at it, at funding police departments. He's such a fraud on this issue. It's ridiculous. And Democrats are such cowards and they're so weak, it's ridiculous. President Biden said on Wednesday that states um, hold on before I, yeah, it's a New York Times article, by the way. President Biden said on Wednesday that states could draw from the $350 billion in federal stimulus money to shore up police departments and vowed to crack down on gun dealers who fail to run background checks and as the White House seeks to combat the alarming rise in homicide rates in America. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, that might be due to the pandemic, and there's nothing much the White House can do about it. Especially, and there certainly isn't much the police departments can do about it. If people think they can and they're going to be heroic and save the day, they're clueless. And police, can someone tell me what shore up means? Why do they need to shore up police departments? What? The hell does it mean? The president tried to appeal to both sides on Monday, saying the White House, from the White House, that this is not a time to turn our backs on law enforcement or our communities. Oh, Joe! By funding more and more cops, Joe, you are hurting communities by not funding alternative solutions, alternative responses, mental health, drug treatment, crisis intervention like cahoots. You are hurting communities, but you don't care because you're going for the police vote. Such a whore. By funding more police, you are turning your back on communities. Yeah, that's what I said, right? you're funding, By funding more police, you're turning your back on communities. There's just no way to do it, Joe. Um, it would be great to think the police are the solution. They're not. If they did, they would have had a solution for gun violence a long, long time ago. The article continues under mr biden's new plan state and local governments will be allowed to use their designated 350 billion of coronavirus relief funds for programs such as hiring police officers to pandemic to i guess pre-pandemic levels paying overtime for community policing work horrific failure and supporting community-based anti-violence programs that's decent but a band-aid at best and we have three people one of them was Uh, met with Biden recently. Eddie Bocanegra from Ready Chicago. He was on this show, and I've shown the clip uh, last show of the show before. You can go look it up. He was with um, Vaughn Bryant and Peter Cummings. uh, Vaughn Bryant was from CP4P Communities Partners for Peace. And Peter Cummings is spokesman basically for um, Chicago Cred. They were all on the show, and they all admitted to being a band-aid. So, all right, we'll get back to it. Paying overtime for community policing work and supporting community-based anti-violence programs or violence groups. City governments struggling with high crime can will be able to get go even further, hiring more officers than they had before the pandemic. Way to go. Joe, a repeat of nineteen ninety-four. God almighty, it only took you what five months in office to go back to nineteen ninety-four. This will all be a horrific failure. Now, crime is already starting to just starting to slowly tick down and it's going to continue. And what you're going to get from these idiots, the Biden administration, unfortunately, in this um, instance, is that there's going to be correlation between them setting up this money and getting, setting up this system and getting the money out and crime going down now the reality is crime's going to start going down before they even get the violence out because we're returning to normal kids are getting back in schools people are going back to work in the office the inner cities are going to be totally filled with people again hello crime is going to go down no matter what from these levels um and they're going to see correlation and they're going to say we were a huge success no you weren't no you weren't and this is funny because it's a slap in the face to new york city rochester new york San Diego, Denver, Olympia, Washington, Eugene, Oregon. I'm trying to think of other cities. There are more cities that have opened or started a cahoots-type crisis response. You should have funded that. We don't need more cops. We need more of that response. This is Joe. This is Joe Biden doing the 1994 bill redux. Even though he was trying to get away from it in the campaign, he just reduxed it for the most part. They're just so weak. It's amazing, after George Floyd and the unrest, he encourages the hiring of cops, and this comes out the day before they sentence Chauvin to 21 or 22 years in prison, the cop who murdered George Floyd. It's a total moral failure. He just can't help himself. He's just such a panderer to the police and the police unions and the pro-police and the electorate that he just can't help himself to pander. It's going to have negative consequences for our cities, ladies and gentlemen, especially our underserved communities of color in Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, across this country. Hiring more cops is not the answer. Everyone knows it but Biden and the police unions. Maybe he's trying to win the police unions over. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. On Monday, we'll be back at 5.30. As always, we'll have an interview with Deborah Witzberg. Then we have an interview on a report about the clerk's office on Wednesday. And on July 5th, that Monday show, we have an interview with Paul Ballas. Check us out. Twitter, YouTube. um, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. We're also on Instagram. And we're on TikTok now. So if you're a TikToker, by all means... Um, and if you want to get involved in all any of that social media, helping us out, pushing our uh, message out through any of those channels, hit up cjpnation.org and uh, look up uh, getting involved as a social media ambassador. Thank you all. I really, really appreciate you coming uh, and spending some time with us. We will see you Monday at 530 with an interview with Deborah Wittsberg, the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General. <laughs>